0: Hey, what's going on? This is the Educated Guest Podcast, and I'm Justin, your host. Hey, if this is your very first time listening or tuning in or becoming a part of this community, first and foremost, thank you. You know, you might be asking, like, what is it that I'm becoming a part of? You clicked on this, and if you're anything like me in particular, then you're naturally skeptical about how you use your time and how you distribute your time. And you want to know what the return is on it. What are you gonna get in return for investing? and opening up your ears and your mind and your heart to this community. And you might be looking for a monetary return, you might be looking for a time return, you might be looking on a relational return, and I can promise you that this is a space that's less about transactional education, in the sense that you'll make 20% more at your job that you already hate, or you will be able to leave your job in two weeks, or you'll be able to quit and do this and make a gazillion dollars. Like That's not what this is about. In particular, this is about transformational learning. This is about the learning that will carry you not for the next two years, but for the next 22 years. This is about changing the way you think about your art and design career and how you approach it, how you take control of it, how you re-engage yourself, your childhood self, into a new type of living and learning and lasting in your career, in your life, in your relationships, all that good stuff. So you might be wondering, especially most people are wondering, okay, so how does that actually work? What do you guys do? What do you guys talk about? And I'm here to tell you that there's three very organized segments in which we approach our teaching style, our pedagogy. It's number one. Our incomplete th- thoughts segment is focused on the development of the mind, answering questions about how to get more out of your day, more out of your life, reorienting, prioritizing, goal setting, that sort of thing, as it relates to your art career, your artistic practice. Secondly, we have our segment called work study. Work studies focus on the how-to's, the tactics, the tools, and templates about running a studio, about achieving. In your job if you do have a job and getting a job that you like. And our last segment is actually called Well Read. Well Read is where we bring in guests and either a you'll hear a monologue from me or you'll hear a dialogue, a discussion between me and some friends that we bring on who have achieved great things in this industry and have done it in a non-traditional way. They haven't followed the standard linear approach. They've done it, in a fashion of a liberal artist, the fashion of a multidisciplinarian, the fashion of people who love art before the copy, who believe in the work and the power of the work. So in that, that all that said, I want to go ahead and just offer a new extension, you know, a shameless plug. One of those things, maybe it's for you, maybe it's not, but we actually have a newsletter that we invite people to and we give even deeper insights than what we share here on the episodes and on the lectures. And you can just go to educated-guest.com. If that sounds like something for you, then that's where you can go. and Just subscribe real quickly. We don't ask for a whole lot and we don't bother you a whole lot. Basically, we're, because we're focused on delivering other types of value and we can't just send you down some strange email rabbit hole without giving you more than that. Cool. So that's the intro. That said, let's go ahead and get into the, to the content today. The title of this lecture is the four types of brand stories. And in talking today, our hope is to do a couple of different things, but we're only gonna focus on just prioritizing one goal at a time. So the first goal is really to help you as an individual or perhaps a business owner, or perhaps a client service provider, somebody who's helping other businesses really articulate their goals, their values, and really what their brand is all about. And obviously that'll, work its way down into JPEGs and SVGs and PNGs and lots of AI files, lots of version control, all that good stuff. But really what we're talking about is what happens before you put pen to paper. How do you get to the core of what a brand is all about? How do you understand the anatomy of a brand? How do you peel back the layers of an onion? And how do you tell a story of a brand on your own? Because a lot of people who are creatives want to start their own company. They want to stop trading their hours for, Dollars. They want to think beyond this nature of just helping clients and helping clients until the day they die. Some people, that is their thing, but most people want to own something, start something, and grow something. So today we're going to kind of break up this talk into a couple of different segments. First, we're going to talk about the idea of finding your main character and what that actually means. And secondly, we're going to talk about this idea of using narrative techniques to actually tell a story. And then lastly, we'll end by just offering four different archetypes or techno- or techniques or typologies of different types of stories and some examples of businesses that do that. Cool. So let's go and jump into it. And I'll start by saying that really most people understand very little about how to talk about their brand. I know that's tough to hear. And in the best case scenario, these people are very adept at outlining what their company does. However, their, hear- their hiccups, like the big like stumbling blocks and, you know, where they get tripped up is often coming in the form of explaining why they do it. Lots of people can explain what they do, but not really why they do it. And this leads us to our first segment. Our first sort of subdomain of this topic is defining who you're doing everything for. Who is your main character? You know, in telling a story, every story has a main character. And every company, particularly old companies, understood this, except in the age of this classical design and brand building. And to some extent today, the main character was the founder. It was like the special ingredient or the formula. And some examples are Apple. You know, think Apple, think Coca-Cola, think Dell. However, you know, today, the role of the brand has shifted really a large degree, shifted quite a bit. And instead of being the protagonist, the brand is not simply an ally to guide the hero to their treasure. That's what it is now. So the brand is no longer the star of the story. The founder is no longer the star of the story. And we'll share some examples later about the types of brands and why they are that way. Instead, the brand is more of an ally to guide the hero to their treasure. Many people have heard the quote of You know, Joseph Campbell, kind of, most people know him as the author of The Hero's Journey and the creator of The Hero's Journey. He states that the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. So if you imagine your sort of protagonist or the person who has the problem that you're trying to solve as being on a journey and having a cave they fear to enter, what is your brand doing to make that cave look more appealing? What is your brand doing to make that cave? Seem less scary? What is your brand doing to be the light inside the cave that they can t- carry that torch with them? And in stepping out of the box of like the one, two, three, four, five steps in brand building, people can start to simplify their understanding of what they want to do with their brand and begin to move with more momentum. Because people are energized by stories, they're not energized by chevrons on a slide and Telling them that they do this first and then they check these five boxes and then their brand is built. Nobody's energized by that. And quite frankly, if you're not even energized by it, your customers won't be en- energized by it either. And this is just beyond the realm of art and design. This is, this is into the realm of business is what we're talking about. So it goes really without saying that your brand should double down on providing tools they should your brand should be providing the tools the experiences the resources the relationships the accomplices the assistance and more than that you should be helping people conquer their fears that's what your brand is all about people have fears people spend money to conquer them that's it people have problems and problems aren't really problems they're just Fears in disguise. Let's think about, for example, people want to go start a company right now. And they know that in order to do that, they have to go legally create a company. Now, let's think about that process 15 years ago, 20 years ago of trying to legally go create an LLC and then in, and in, get incorporated. If you have a nonprofit, go through that whole process. You have to go, walk up to a lawyer, like cold call a lawyer, be charged by the hour for the advice before the actual work gets done. And think about how many steps that is. And think about the overwhelming feeling of trying to start a business then. Now you have things like LegalZoom, Shield, and all that stuff. I'm not actually in partnership with any of those companies. So I don't really say those things in hopes you go do that. That's not what this is about. The point here is obviously that people go through life with these sets of fears, because it's not really about, oh, wait, like I have this problem and I don't know how to solve it, who to solve it. People generally know how to solve their own problems, but their problems seem so overwhelming and fearful to them. And they think that they're going to be crushed by them that they need people to really shrink the problem for them. That's what it is. That's what it's all about. So because really starting a new brand has such a low barrier of entry today, it's natural that this competition will always be ripe. So if you're starting a clothing company, lots of different clothing companies. If you're starting a makeup company, lots of different lots of different makeup companies. If you're starting a jewelry company, lots of those. But it's really the companies who are willing to come down from their ivory tower and walk with the people who will always prevail. One of my favorite poems says that, If you can walk with kings nor lose the common touch, that's what it's about. It's these basic principles. So here are a few questions to consider as you're thinking about this main character and sort of who the protagonist of your brand is. It's not you. Who is the person that has the problem, who has the fear that you're trying to help them see as a small thing? And a couple of questions go like this. So, you know, what do they desire most? What is it that could possibly be inside the cave that they keep circling around outside, pacing back and forth, doing little weird things with their hands, like trying to figure things out? What do they desire most is keeping them right near the cave, but not in it. Secondly, who or what is the roadblock that's keeping them from getting what they want most? And the list goes on to say, you know, how do they achieve what they want? What are you trying to say by ending the story in a certain way? You know, what are the themes and motives? You know, how do, the, how do you want to tell your story? And all these different things keep going on and on and on. And it's important to consider them. But which is more important, actually, is that you come back to the basics, come back to the basic elements of storytelling and understand that someone has a fear and you're there to make that fear seem small. And the more you can focus on what that fear is and highlight what's beyond the fear, then you win. You don't win in a selfish way like, oh, that's how I trick them. It's not tricking people. You're helping people. You're helping people. So the second one is, what will be your narrative technique? So you think about, again, those three sort of subdomains about characterization, understanding who you're solving the problem for. The second thing is about narrative technique? How are you going to tell that story? And there's a couple of quotes floating around out there that this is the biggie. You know, How you tell the story is everything. Where do you begin? Where do you end? What do you keep in it? What do you leave out of it? Do you tell it by video or by print? And in doing some research to talk about this today, it all comes back to this sort of question of narrative journey, understanding how the characters within the story that you're telling change. Harry Potter in the first Harry Potter book is not the same Harry Potter in the last one. So you have to adapt the circumstances and the the problems, the, the antagonists in the story as they continue, if you want them to stay in the story long longer than longer than most. So if you view Harry Potter as sort of that central customer, that storytelling agent, that person who's on a journey that you're trying to follow and serve as that guide, serve as that Dumbledore, then at some point, yes, they won't need you, but your hope is that they need you for as long as possible. Not because they can't live without you, but because life living with you is much better than without. So it's these changes, the story arc that will make your your brand story really way more compelling. And the, the final step is really to understand the different story types. And there's always you know all these quotes floating around around success leaving clues. And it's true, success does leave clues, and you should focus on what others have done. So we're going to talk about a couple. So what I've found is that there are really like four story types, four story types that you can write down and sort of note and come back to when you're just confused and overwhelmed and just want to get back to basics. And most people get these completely wrong, but I think these are right for you to write down. So number one is origin stories. Origin stories are these stories that have a sort of fantasy-like beginning to them. Many people know the Apple origin story. Many people know about Jeff Bezos and Amazon. Many people know about Facebook. Many people know about Airbnb. These are huge companies. These are billion-dollar companies at this point trillion dollar companies, actually, one of them. But at the end of the day, you know, and you're probably attracted to, and you made a brand decision behind sort of that founding moment, that scrappiness of Airbnb to set up shop in Denver and during the Democratic National Convention and sort of like just figure it out. These are art school students. They went to RISD. You're probably attracted to that. And then you might be Unattracted to the Amazon model because you have this image of Jeff Jeff Bezos just focusing on optimization. Many people know stories of the company culture there and how they make, early on, they were making people make their own desks out of just a plank of wood and just saving money, a cost reduction, optimization. Many people know the story of Facebook. They know it as, I mean, it's been, again, like put into theater at this point. And also, of course, many people know the garage starting storytelling of Apple. So that's origin story. So understanding if you have that sort of origin story, you know, what is it about you? What is it about your story that's worth sharing with the world and is worth putting out there in front? And when, you, especially when you do press runs, do you want to talk about that? So that's number one. Number two are mission and value stories, mission and value stories. So th- so these For me, these are mostly like liberal arts colleges. Teach for America is a good one. Nonprofits usually fit in this category. Twitter is a good mission and value story. And they're on that fight right now. It's very controversial. I mean, they're having to make a stand and Jack Dorsey's going on on record by saying, hey, our mission and what we're focused on and the question we're trying to solve is very simply, can we dictate what a good conversation looks like, what a healthy conversation looks like. He's going on record by saying that they think they have an answer to that. And they've categorically, scientifically done their best to do the proper research to figure out what are the categories and what are the indicators of a healthy conversation and how can we measure that? Not only through human interaction, but through some machine learning, through some deep learning. How do we hybrid? How we how do we create a hybrid model around that? And again, not many people really know about the origin stories of Jack Dorsey because, number one, there's not much to even see. For the most part, and this is probably by design, I would imagine, is that they don't really go too deep on, oh, well, what was Jack Dorsey's life like growing up? All you pretty much know whenever you research Jack Dorsey is, oh, well, he's from St. Louis and he started coding and he was kind of a punk rock kid and boom, Twitter popped up the other end at some time like, early 20s. That's about all you know. You don't know who was all there. You don't know who the co. most people don't know who the co-founders were. Most people don't know who was around. Most people don't know all this stuff. And I really do think at that scale, that's by design because they're doubling down on their mission. They're doubling down on their values because they understand that's what helps them win. They can't compete with Facebook in this beautiful Harvard College dropout story and making movies about it. They can't do that. It's not that interesting so that's story that's story type number two story type number three is knowledge sharing this is food world food program this is cdc this is McKinsey. this is bloomberg this is npr this is getting really really well known in your space for being an expert and the information being the double and down on what what it is you do can you present and organize information in a way that's way better than anyone else and who do people run to and look at when it's time to get a verification on something? Not because nobody else is saying it, but but just because if you said it, then this is probably what we should follow. That's Harvard. That's um, uh, Bridgewater. Like these things are very, very consistently in that category. And number four, this is brand and vision myth. This is like this mythological attraction that people have towards a certain brand. This is SpaceX. This is Yeezy. This is APC. This is Birkenstock. This is Patagonia. Like, this is, these are the types of brands that people are attracted to and they just go and buy the t-shirt. They don't even care what they sell. It's just like, these are the, I'm about a t-shirt brands. Because they become almost mythological in their nature and their, and what they do and what they're trying to do. And I think most people who are artists hope to have a brand like this. But it requires courage to double down on this vision myth, this mythological type storytelling and to keep a lot of what you do secret until it's time to unveil. Most people don't have that level of patience. You don't reveal a lot of information. There ain't no origin stories. Ain't no, I'm about to do this or look out for this coming. You just drop stuff and you move on to the next one because you know what you've been working on. is so mythologically cool that by the time it comes to the public, everybody's in love with it. So just keep those in mind. Hopefully you're taking notes. Hopefully you're writing these things down. If not, again, Those are four types of brand stories I think are extremely valuable. And if you want more information like this, you can go to educated underscore underscore guests on Instagram. Check Check in with us there. Start the conversation. Keep the conversation going. I love each and every one of you and the time that you spend with us and the time you invest in yourself by doing this. Look forward to talking to you next time.